0: What's up, Demarai. Gally? What's up? What's up? All right. What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Today, we've got an epic interview lined up with my buddy, uh, Mike Demerai Hope I said that right. From Rainbow Wallet. Mike, what's up? Demerai. Demerai. What's up? What's up, Gally? My name is Mike Demerai, but it's cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Mike. And so Mike is, uh, I think I met you a couple years ago in the crypto scene. Last time, the crypto bubble was really taking to new heights. Um, you're a developer. You've been working. In the Ethereum platform, you're a co-founder of a company called Rainbow, which is an Ethereum wallet app, one of the best in the biz. We're going to get deep into that later. Um, but I really just wanted to have you on the show and catch up about crypto, because I feel like it's been so long since I almost thought about Ethereum. so embarrassed. Like, I was so into it and obsessed yeah, when we had the run. You
1: sold the bottom. I sold, sold the, the bottom, bro. I remember I it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I bought Tesla, though, so it's all
0: good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, but, but anyway, so for those people who don't even know about it, uh like what Ethereum is, this idea of the decentralized kind of Bitcoin, but it's a computer network. Could you give us a rundown of, of how would you describe the Ethereum network?
1: Yeah, I think that it's like really helpful to contrast Ethereum against Bitcoin. So you can think about Bitcoin, right, as digital gold. I think that most of your followers are pretty familiar with the concept of Bitcoin, right? But in the end, Bitcoin is is kind of it's kind of like a pet rock, right? Like it's kind of like this number, right? It's a really great uh pet rock that you can like send around, right? Like and I'm saying that obviously I'm joking, right? It's I love bitcoin. Um but it's it's actually pretty scoped in its functionality. That's, you know, one of the pitches for bitcoin. Um but what ethereum is is really more of a platform. So ethereum is is like truly programmable money. Um so whereas bitcoin um it, it bitcoin's uh expressiveness is very limited when it comes to the types of things that you can do um with as far as like actually programming um the flow of capital right so ethereum's really cool because you can actually deploy complex applications completely on chain what's really exciting right now is like uh, a lot of people have been running with that and building out um what uh i guess what is called DeFi, right so DeFi is basically decentralized finance. um so a lot of the times these different protocols being built on Ethereum resemble um traditional financial instruments found on like Wall Street um but additionally, like uh, there are a lot of new innovations that basically are taking advantage of um of the new opportunities of Ethereum, like the platform um and creating kinds of new financial instruments that previously didn't exist on Wall Street. Um, it's, yeah, it's and really I, it's really awesome.
0: And I want to dive into what you said there about how it's a lot more versatile than Bitcoin because Bitcoin was almost the first crypto thing and it was a cryptocurrency. And then yeah. I remember um I'm blank, i blank on his name, Chris Berninsky, I think, who used to work for ARK, wrote the crypto asset book. And then yeah. I love that book. And he started describing Ethereum as a crypto asset. And this whole, th- so yeah. Bitcoin's like, almost like a bat, when I think of EV batteries, like you can design a battery to be really good at one thing. Like Bitcoin's almost the cryptocurrency. It's really designed to be easy yeah. money that you so- store digital gold, but it can't do much else. It's simple. And like you said, that's yeah. what makes it great at what it is. But Ethereum is this different concept of, it's not really a store of value or currency. It's a crypto asset. And the asset that's backing it isn't just a pet rock of nothing. It's actual computing power. Like you can spend yeah. your, you can basically like, Use spend your Ethereum as gas to process transactions. Um, I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but the deploy other thing contracts. To, deploy contracts, deploy contracts, and the smart yeah, contracts. So, that's yeah. what I wanted to get to. Maybe you could break down a little of that because that seemed like kind of the breakthrough of what Ethereum's like secret sauces that can let it do so much is the smart contract functionality.
1: Well, so first of all, I want to say like there's huge differences between Bitcoin and Ethereum. From I guess like assessing it as an asset, um, I think that rightfully so a lot of people look at the monetary policy of ethereum and are a little bit um put off by it i guess like in contrast to bitcoin uh there's there's extreme clarity around um bitcoin's monetary policy um and basically the the reasons why bitcoin should be valuable now for ethereum it's a little bit different and some of it is a little bit speculative so for example um there are a lot of uh things being done that will uh likely um improve the monetary policy of ethereum so for example uh there's this uh proposal um in ethereum uh the way that new things are added are through eip's uh ethereum improvement uh proposals uh so basically there's this one proposal called eip uh 1559 um and what that does is actually uh the idea there is to actually um Burn the ether that is used in every transaction. so if you when you're you know if you're paying gas for a transaction, currently that goes entirely to the miner um in this in this uh, proposed uh, uh, system, basically that ether gets burnt. Um, so what that ends up doing is actually creating a deflationary um, it, it it turns ethereum into a deflationary asset um because basically, like uh, with the current um network utilization, um, more ether would be getting burnt um, than is being issued uh, through, through uh, you know, uh, mining rewards.
0: I've I've noticed that it's kind of been the slow and steady, but decreasing dilution of Ethereum. I remember in the early yeah. days, it was like people would go up to conferences and ask like Vitalik and all these people, like, what's the plan? How much are we going to dilute? Like, they don't even know. You know what I mean? Right. It felt like it was so early that they were like, they weren't even thinking about it like this. And yeah. so I think like that, now, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely been the case. It's definitely been something where you it, it, you are definitely putting your faith in the nerds, right? To basically, to to figure it out. Um, and I, you know, I'm been in this space for a couple of years now. And I've got to say that like this space is full of the smartest people who like, um, you know, who want to see all of this succeed. Right. And I think that Ethereum's plan in general is kind of like trying to, uh, you know, coming from the perspective of not trying to like make decisions that box themselves in um so i think that it's pretty i think it's pretty smart um so yeah wait you asked me about smart contracts though and i I got a little diverted so yeah yeah, what's up what do you want to know
0: so well the smart contract to me like you said programmable like yeah smart contract can it's like a piece of code that's on the blockchain that will get executed autonomously via this decentralized network. And that means yes. you can code it, not just to send it to another account, which is what Bitcoin does, but we can like run all these complex applications on Ethereum. So it's a little bit over my head, but I'm kind of curious if you could kind of break this down for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, um, writing smart contracts, contracts is actually pretty simple. The programming language is very accessible to people, especially if they're familiar with languages like JavaScript or Python. Um, so it's really easy to get started, but yeah, you can think about smart contracts as basically, um, applications that live on the blockchain. Um, now, uh, so the Ether- the Ethereum virtual machine is a uh, Turing complete. So what that means is you can actually write like. You know arbitrarily complex applications that that live on chain right so the advantages of this so one of the big um uh i guess differences in writing applications for ethereum versus like uh, any other software is this concept of liveness so basically the idea is is like when you write a smart contract and you deploy it to the chain it is always alive like it will exist forever um And that, that doesn't really, that concept doesn't really exist in other types of software development, right? Like basically like it's expected that AWS goes down or like that you're, you know, when you write a smart contract, um, you know, we can get into like the nuances of it later, but basically when you write it and you deploy it, it is. It's there. Right. So, um, it's done. Uh, so it, it does force developers to kind of, you know, it, it it puts, uh, you know, a certain responsibility on developers to be extremely, um, you know, uh, conservative and kind of like, you know, cautious when they're writing their code. Um, And you might hear about a lot of some of the, uh, you know, the unfortunate, um, you know, hacks or exploits that happen in the space. And that often comes from overly complex code or like unaudited code, stuff like that. but yeah, I mean, we can get into some of the more exciting like examples of smart contracts, but I mean, yeah, the uh, the, the possibilities are straight up endless. Um,
0: yeah, and I'm so curious of why, like why does the world need a decentralized computer that can do this? Like, I'm curious, like you're as a programmer, yeah. you were fascinated by this and like latched onto it, wanted to get involved, thought it was so cool. Like what gets you so pumped about why this has potential and why the world needs this sort of decentralized smart contract system?
1: Yeah. So the end of the day, for me, it comes down to permissionlessness, right? So it's the idea that basically anybody in the world can create an application that, that touches value now, right? So think about it. Like basically, um, you know, we can get into the concept of stable coins in a bit, but basically stable coins are, um, tokens that are, uh, you know, pegged to a dollar. Um, so if you think about it, right, like you can be a 14 year old kid and develop, um, an app like Venmo um, or, you know, with the complete functionality of Venmo without anybody's permission, there's no like, there's no, you can just do it by yourself in your bedroom. There's no like, you know, uh, I, there's no like licensing, there's no like uh, process, right? So that is exactly why uh, it's so important. Just the idea that basically like um, just unbounded potential for innovation um besides that decentralized applications are a disintermediating force right so basically like it cuts out middlemen um almost like fundamentally so like uh you know for example you know we're recording this right now um it's a very volatile day in the crypto markets and if you go open the coinbase app right now it's down right so coinbase is down um but uniswap which we'll talk about in a little bit, which is a decentralized uh, crypto asset exchange, uh, Uniswap can never go down like like, you know, fundamentally, it, it it's impossible for Uniswap to go down. Um, so that's a, that's a big reason why these these things are important. Essentially, like resiliency, um, you know, for such core infrastructure, it's really important for core infrastructure, like of the financial system in general to have that kind of resiliency.
0: And one of the most interesting projects that comes to mind with the stable coins is Maker, which I invested a little in and have been holding, um, which is this concept of like a stable coin that's backed by a basket of assets, kind of like the US dollar was backed by gold, but the holders would vote on those assets and it was just such a cool out there idea and I think even led to Facebook doing Libra which was kind of their own version of a crypto stable coin. Um, So I don't know. I I see that as still one of the most promising applications on Ethereum or like leading usage. Back in 2017, 2018, I feel like a lot of the things getting developed on Ethereum were almost like tests or toys versus Bitcoin that really had like a real world application of moving money. If you're in a third world country with a destable currency, this is already more stable and a really, like it it was gaining real traction, moving billions with a real world application. We had CryptoKitties, which I love, like cool games that were working. But I'm curious now of, what what kind of projects really excite you about the Ethereum network these days? And, and what have you seen kind of take off since that early wave?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, so yeah, I agree. Back in 2017, a lot of what Ethereum was was really speculative. And there were a lot of like bad projects, things that kind of were like moonshots that kind of were a little bit too ambitious for their time. Um, really since then though, uh, Ethereum's growth and traction has been totally organic right so uh, i had sent you the website there's two websites to look at there's crypto and there's defy pulse.com both of these i think do a really good job of i guess um you know laying out uh the current you know ethereum network utilization right so um yeah back in the day you know ethereum was used a lot for icos things like crypto kitties now um the primary uh activity that's happening on Ethereum is, is DeFi, right? So for example, um, I think, you know, the most interesting case study to look at is actually Uniswap, um, for a number of reasons. So, um, but just to get into it, basically, um, Uniswap is a decentralized exchange, um, that is, is, nobody can turn off, nobody controls it. Once it, once it was deployed, it is immutable. Um, so it's it's essentially like a fixture. It's essentially like a public utility, right? Um, and that uh, decentralized exchange Uniswap um, has grown like insanely over the last two years. It currently has about over $3 billion of liquidity locked up in the protocol. And um, every, and, and basically like every day uh, competes with uh, the daily trading volumes of Coinbase. Um, I think that you know regularly it beats uh, Kraken and Gemini's uh, daily volumes combined, right? So that's like wildly impressive. So that that what we're talking about here is a smart contract that can't be turned off. Nobody uh, can tell you not to use it, and there's there's literally no permissions to using it, right? So you can create a token like Galley Coin, um, like you can create it today, and you can list it on Uniswap and, and immediately have a liquid market, um, for the token that you just created with no, like no permissions, no one can stop you from doing that. So what that's ended up doing is creating like, uh, uh, like uh, it's enabled a lot of innovation. So in the past, like project, if you created a new token, um, for whatever reason, the process of getting liquidity for your token was like really complicated and expensive. So you would have to go to like centralized exchanges like Binance and essentially like what you would have to do is essentially like bribe centralized exchanges. You'd have to pay them a To fee get them to list it, you, right? To get your thing to be listed, right? So now that's essentially like, right? Like, uh, you know, table stakes. Like that's, you get that for free with Uniswap.
0: Is, is most of that traction people buying other like ERC-20 tokens on yes. Uniswap? Yes.
1: So uh it's basically uh, Uniswap is 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 all ERC20 tokens. Um so uh can you yeah, br- so-
0: explain what that is if for if people yeah don't know. absolutely
1: so one of the biggest, I guess, network effects uh that Ethereum has going for it is it's uh really robust token standards. So what does that mean? There are a number of like specifications um for how to create a token, right, that follows a standard and um basically when if you follow that standard your token becomes immediately interoperable with all of the other uh applications on the ethereum network right so if you create an erc20 token that erc20 token literally works everywhere uh in DeFi, for example so it's like it's, it's amazing interoperability um it's like honestly the strongest thing going for ethereum in my opinion so yeah erc20 is the most popular token standard um, for example, the, the maker token that you were mentioning before, that's an ERC 20 token. Um, you know, other
0: crypto, kitties,
1: to- right? Crypto kitties is, is actually an ERC 721. So that's a different, that's, so there's two major standards, ERC 20s, ERC 721. Um, the big difference there is basically, uh, ERC 20s are fungible. Think about them just like. They're what you think of when you think of Bitcoin, right? Where it's like you have a number and that represents how many tokens you have, right? Like I have five MKR tokens, right? Whereas ERC-721s are non-fungible, meaning like each one of them is uh, unique. Like you can't have more than one crypto. Ki- each CryptoKitty is unique. They're not fungible. They're not tr- like uh, tradable for each other. Whereas one MKR equals one KMA. Chemi- one mkr like there's no difference between gotcha two different mkr tokens yeah
0: and so this is a perfect time to bring up rainbow which is the startup that you're working on actually my first ever direct angel investment um i was invested in it just because i was friends with you and i was so excited uh and i loved when i when i saw what you were building it was kind of like We see all this cool stuff happening on Ethereum, but there's no UI, there's no gateway, there's no Coinbase kind of thing to make it easy for people like me, honestly. And so you built sort of this mobile first application that is basically, I think, just for Ethereum for now to transact and sort of be the gateway to all of these cool little projects, um, which I think is so, so fascinating. So could you uh, tell us about what you're working on with Rainbow and why you thought that was like the business to create?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, so Rainbow, uh, what we're building is basically like a really slick, mobile-first Ethereum wallet. Um, so what that means is it can store uh, all of your assets. So whether they are ERC-20s, whether they're ERC-721s, right? So basically, end of the day is it's one place where all of your money can be stored. So basically, you you have your tokens, you have your uh, your NFTs, you have your things like CryptoKitties, cetera. Um, but it also essentially is your, uh, really think about it, like as your passport, um, to DeFi, right. So basically, um, you can open up, uh, you know, your mobile web browser and go to different DeFi applications and you can click, uh, there's a button, uh, you know, and you can like deep link it to, you can connect them to rainbow. Right. So basically, uh, you can connect rainbow to your favorite DeFi applications and basically just like use them all from your phone. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's really important to us. We think that like, uh, mobile is like the most important platform. Um, that's where most people are like spending the majority of their time. I think that Robinhood is like, you know, I think really proven that people are willing to do finance on mobile. Um, so yeah, uh, really what we're trying to do is build a product that, uh, you know, makes uh the hardcore ethereum nerds happy but is also like delightful and fun for you know newcomers to jump in and start playing with this stuff i think that like the best way to learn about uh uh, these new things is to actually start playing with them um so we're trying you know we're really trying to like embrace that uh you know that kind of like you know fun curiosity right so the app is kind of like the app is really fun Dude, yeah. And
0: it's it's beautifully designed. Like even on Thank your you. uh, normal la- laptop website, you click with the rainbows and it's yeah. so fun. I spent like 10 minutes doing that the first time. I We're all out. about like,
1: delight. We're dude, to it's delight so you. fun. Yeah. It looks like yeah. it's, and
0: and that's exactly what was missing. Like I always thought of it as like Coinbase for weird things. Like like if I want to yeah. trade a, a limited edition Fortnite skin in the future, that's going to be traded on rainbow. That lives on yes. Ethereum because that's a digitized asset that I want to own proprietarily, not some IRL asset where I have a digital thing, like all these digitally native assets, which I see as a booming market with video games and all those yes. at digital avatars. Um, and even like another example is this Unisox thing. Like you told me about Unisox, yes. which is the f- official merchant of yes. Uniswap. And it was like, you're like, this is a $50 token for these socks that you can do. There's only 300 of them. It's the first like, and we've always been scheming on like, what if Supreme I dropped a t-shirt on the Bitcoin? Yeah, because you we were always like, dude, what if Supreme, or like Nike drops their sneaker on the blockchain. And we've been scheming that. And then you're like, you call me up one day and you're like, Gally, bro, Uniswap is dropping this thing called Unisocks. They're going to like be the first thing to do this. And it was like this token that got ICO'd. You could buy the token, hold it in your rainbow wallet, or you could redeem it and get this pair of socks. So I Venmo you 60 bucks and I'm like, dog, and you just send me a Unisock to my rainbow wallet. So it's like literally using this this app for this weird Ethereum thing. I love, it was just so meta. And then I'm like looking a couple months later, it's like, bro, Unisocks are worth like a couple grand. Like, I don't even know, it changes so rapidly, yeah, but now they're worth like three or $5,000. Yeah. I'm still holding on. They bought for 60 no, they're bucks. Six. They're, they're at six, 6 grand. Now. And I got a dividend of a yeah. thousand Uniswap tokens. So this one investment is worth like 60 bucks to like 10 grand or something. And screw the money though. I don't even care about that. I'm holding, I just feel like this yeah. is an incredible piece of history of the block, like smart contract this product and making it decentralized and tradable, like I just, to me, this is the most exciting, maybe because I was on the ground floor of it, but like, it just hit home so hard of like collectibles, limited edition merch, yes. uh, crypto being the blockchain app for that, like, I don't know, I'm curious if you have any, like, could you just fill us in on Uniswaps Because I know you'll do a better job explaining it yeah. to me, but.
1: I mean, so I'm fascinated by some of these weird assets that are, are, I guess, like, they're almost like experiments happening on Ethereum, right? And to me, that's like one of the reasons that we built Rainbow is that like, we wanted to build something that kind of supported whatever you threw at it right whatever new uh experiment was happening we wanted to make sure that uh you had a product that you could actually uh you know uh uh, uh use that with right so yeah i mean so i guess specifically unisox right really fascinating concept think about it like yeezy drops um on the blockchain uh but really what it is was basically uh uniswap um it, you know we were talking about them before they created this this merch right so basically uh, it's uh 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 limited quantities so there's only 500 total socks um they started i think the listing price was $12 a pair um but basically the way it works is um the price of Unisocks is on a bonding curve so what does that mean so it basically means that uh that there's a scarce number of Unisocks, and when um, basically the more buyers there are of Unisocks, and there are less of them that are like left, right, like the price basically rises on a curve. Um, so it's a really interesting mechanism for pricing um, something that is scarce. So, for example, like perfect for FOMO. About-
0: That's what I'm thinking.
1: It, like perfect inspires
0: FOMO. FOMO. Just like you got to get in early, and then your FOMO keeps building. Like.
1: Yeah, I mean, it has it, it. definitely has some like interesting like psychological implications like that. But you can also think about it just like as a better like more equitable way of doing a a Yeezy drop, right? So right now, if you put yourself in Yeezy shoes, right, um, basically, they, uh, you know anybody producing like like high end limited edition goods, um, the creator of those goods is missing out entirely on the price appreciation of those goods. So like you know they sell the shoes for a hundred dollars. You know all of these resellers, uh, you know they have bots and they like snipe the you know uh, you know the the cheap shoes like when they drop and then they basically like mark them up and like sell them later on, on the on the reseller market, right? So um, Unisocks is is like a much better system though um, than that because a couple of reasons. Like one, um, basically the creator uh, benefits from the price appreciation. So instead of like, you know, selling all of your stuff at $12 only to have somebody else profit entirely from the, you know, markup, right? Uh, two, basically it, it sort of cuts out uh, at least resellers as like, as a business. So basically like, tr- you know, traditionally like resellers, right? Will like custody the shoes, like they'll, they'll buy the shoes, they'll get them shipped to themselves or whatever, right? And then like mail them back out uh, with Unisocks. You never have to take custody of the physical good um, unless you want to. So you can just basically trade this, like you know, IOU back and forth uh, that represents uh, the rights to the uh, to that limited edition. And it floats at the
0: market price. Like that's what's so dope. like I have my token. At any time, I could cash it in for this ten grand pair of stocks. But now it's totally tradable, and it's sort of backed by Uniswap that it will be redeemable for that.
1: It's so cool. Yep. Other benefits, right? So because it's an ERC20 token, it's infinitely divisible, right? So basically, um, you know, in order to redeem this the token for a pair of socks, you have to redeem it in increments of, you know, whole units. You have to, you know, redeem one whole token, right? But you can actually go and buy, you know, 0.005 socks tokens, right? So why is that cool? That's cool because basically um you can you can get speculative exposure to um to these types of goods uh, even if they're kind of outside of your price range, bro. Right? So did basically, you see, like- uh,
0: sorry, I d- I just interviewed the CEO of Masterworks, which is their IPOing paintings for twenty bucks a share, and I'm like, cool. this is exactly like like I think of Unisox's art. You know, you don't need Masterworks for Uniswap because they're, they're already a fun so invisible token. We used to buy sneakers. Like, I was obsessed with sneakers, and we would do a deal on Craigslist, go to a park, meet up with a guy, the amount, of, and we know the sneakers are fake, but it's like this 30 year old dude is like, give me the money. And me and like my homies in high school are like, shit, like we got fake Jordans. Like, this happened like so many times we bought fake Jordans. Then StockX comes out. And you can like, they verify and authenticate the sneakers. That was totally changing the game for the way all this worked. And then eBay is actually copying them to do that now. But it's so interesting how we've seen that yep. sort of trust system evolve. And this is already a billions of billions of dollars market with all this friction. And so to me, I see like exactly what you're saying. That's why I was fascinated about Unisoc. It's not about the socks. It's about the technology behind this that is going to revolutionize yes. a $5, $10 billion market that's been, that's been constrained because it's not easy and doesn't work well. And so it's almost yep. like like the, it's the lame excuse of like the iPhone, like who knew what would be, get built on the iPhone? We could have never imagined how much right. market cap of applications. It's like on this Uniswap platform, every easy drop that happens now is on legacy technology and should be switched to this. You know, it's just going to take time. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, also uh, the Unisox model uh, solves the authenticity problem as well. So basically um, because uh, it's really easy to verify that, you know, the SOX token that you have is a, is the legitimate SOX token, right? You're never confused about whether or not the, the you know, the token that you have is authentic, right? And basically because uh, the only way to get the physical good is by redeeming the token directly with Uniswap themselves. You're, yeah, there's no questions about the authenticity of goods. So I think that that's a big part of uh, uh, of what it offers. Additionally, though, I do think that like, you know, say, say you're 13 and you wanted to like invest in sneakers. Like, that's like, you know, you want, that's what you're into and you want to speculate on different cultural goods like sneakers, right? Um, You know, sneakers can get really expensive now. Like, you know, like the, the really like, you know, I actually, I think that you're more tapped into that market than I am. But like, you know, they can Nike go for 1000 Nike SP Paris, of 20, 20K a pair. I wanted to buy yeah. in that five grand. They keep, yeah, that's. But basically like, you know, the, the idea that you can own a fraction of a SOX token is really powerful because it essentially like lets anybody, regardless of their capital, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, constraints, like actually get in uh, and, and uh, you know, benefit from the, uh, you know, or speculate on, uh you know, the, the continued, uh, you know, price appreciation of that cultural good. I think that that's really like, you know, one of the the coolest things about it. Check out this other project called Zora, which is really kind of like running with, um, and, and there's another one as well called Foundation, but both Zora and Foundation are really running with this Unisox um, model, right? So like Unisox was like really kind of like an experiment that Uniswap did, but it really like clicked. With a lot of people like me, um, but there's now basically two whole companies like running with this concept, right? Of basically like tokenized uh, physical goods. So, for example, one of the uh, the more successful offerings um, by them, there's uh, so that company Zora. Uh, they partnered with this like Grammy award-winning musician named uh, RAC or like RAC, um, and basically they sold a limited edition um cassette tape with his album on it um where it was basically like a collector's item right where basically like you know if you're a huge fan of this artist like you know there's only 50 cassette tapes uh available um and it works exactly the same way as as unisox where basically you can speculate on the price of that collectible item but then you can redeem it at any time to actually get the, the the physical item and that's like was really successful I forget the exact like the volumes and the price that it's currently at now, but um I, i'd i say besides Unisocks, i'm pretty sure that that's like the second most successful um you know experiment in this vein it's really cool you should check it out. yeah
0: that's a great head i'm definitely gonna check it out and it's so whenever I talk to you, I feel like i'm in the wild west just on yes. the early days of something, like it's all kind of like wonky and wild and you got to do this. Rainbow's fixing that, but like- But it's addictive. It just feels like, like we're just so reputable. early. And I can see exactly what you're yeah. saying. I'm like, bro, like this is so, it just, I, I love the fascination and what you said earlier about really smart people. Like you're one of the smartest computer people I know and you're obsessed with this. And you're like, you're so, like I'm that not- curiosity from like these smart engineering community is to me like a leading indicator of how promising and cool this is. Yeah um
1: i think that that's really valid to be totally honest yeah
0: and and so what are your thoughts like about,
1: it's, it's it's really good to bet on nerds
0: yeah bet on nerds exactly and that's yeah. like you talk to the people who understand computer science the best like they if they don't if they're not on board with bitcoin and ethereum like at least they're fascinated by them i would say yes and like totally so i'm kind of curious actually how has that changed in the coding world have you gone from like these weirdo ethereum super nerds are you guys getting is that kind of going into mainstream computer science? Like how is how is what's happening on the ETH blockchain kind of thought of in the industry?
1: Yeah, honestly, it's still super early. So if any of your listeners are like programmers and they're interested in the space, like there's still extremely few experts, right? So like the reason I took the plunge and, and you know, went full time in this space was a couple of years ago, I realized to myself, you know this is still early. If I get in now, I can become an expert, right? Like there aren't very many experts, right? Um, But yeah, to answer your question, like it's still extremely early. I would say that um, it has, you know, broadened a little bit outside of like, you know, hardcore nerds. Um, uh, But, you know, like it is where the space, the industry is attracting talent from kind of like big tech, right? So it's like some of the more important projects out there, you know, have engineers from, you know, Google and Facebook and stuff on their team. Um, It's attracting a lot of talent from legacy finance as well, right? So it's like a lot of really smart people from, you know, the high frequency trading world, for example, like that kind of stuff are getting in. Basically, like, uh, I'd say that right now, you know, in the past, it was like extreme cypherpunk nerds. We're kind of now bringing in a lot of like finance nerds. Um, But I think that like this current wave that we're in, like literally at this moment is going to start attracting a lot more, um, you know, I guess mainstream technologists, uh, I think, into the space. Yeah.
0: And as much as that crazy run in 2017, like I think maybe scared some people to Ethereum, like I think net net it was huge. Like you guys went from like a couple bucks a token to like over a thousand. It was this huge run, it got spurred all this interest, all these ICOs. A lot of them sucked, but like the real people stayed along and then it kind of took a dip. But the dip was way higher than where we were before all that. And now we're having this second coming, uh, where I think of a lot of similarities to Bitcoin, like. The applications are much more yeah. robust. The technology is caught up to the valuations in a lot of ways.
1: Um, and it seems like, I don't know, a lot so of people I got muted out. emphasize that enough. Yeah. So basically you can think of the 2017 Ethereum price run-up, right, as being almost entirely attributable to the ICO mania. The ways ICOs worked was basically they themselves were little smart contracts and the only currency that you could use to buy into those ICOs was Ethereum. So people were just like buying Ethereum so that they could get in on the ICO mania. Um, But I can't emphasize enough basically how um, the space has developed and like literally the vast majority of the space is like real usage. Like there's like, there's real hundreds of millions of dollars going through these systems uh, every day Um, And if you look at that website uh, that I had mentioned before called cryptofees.info, what it does is it basically breaks down the, uh, the, the, the number of fees generated by both different blockchains as well as different like DeFi protocols, right? And it's important to think of, so when you think about, when you look at that site, right, what you should really be thinking to yourself is, wow, people are willing to pay money to use this right? So it basically like, if, you know, uh, uh, it's so popular that people are like, it's solving such a real problem that uh, these, you know, Uniswap, for example, I, do you have it up in front of you? Like, you know, I, it must be, you know, 2. close 3 to a million.
0: million of one day fees. Say that again? 2.275. Oh no, that's a million. That's a million. My bad. Yeah, 2.75 yeah, 2. Yeah. Yeah, million. Yeah, yeah. Of day, of so, uh one day fees though, but, but you think about that annualized. What's that seven hundred million in annual revenue? So that so that people like yes. valuing this at billions of dollars. You ask how? How do we value these assets? Okay, throughout the P/E ratio, it's you got to get smart and look at new ways. And I'm looking at okay, if they're generating this much real, revenue, like that's that's this is real money yes. that it's, people are it's paying. real
1: economic activity. It's real. It's real economic activity. People are using it because it solves real problems. Right. We are way past the like empty vaporware stages of Ethereum, which I think you can really like categorize, categorize uh, you know, characterize 2017 as a lot of like vaporware. Um, what's happening now is like, is real. It is, it is like, it is a real, It. it's honestly like the coolest thing that I've ever seen. Um, right. Like it's, it's more exciting to me than anything that I've ever seen before.
0: And it's um, showing ETH at 11.7 million versus Bitcoin at 4.7 million. Why, can you break that down yeah. for me?
1: Yeah. So again, like the the growth and traction of Ethereum as, you know, the, you know, primary asset settlement layer uh, is real. Certain days, like Bitcoin beats it, Ethereum beats Bitcoin, et cetera. But like Ethereum is like regularly competing with Bitcoin in its uh, val you know, daily value transfer, right? So um, one of the big reasons why Ethereum Network fees are, uh, you know, are like substantially like you know those crazy high numbers, um, is because of uh, the way that people use it as kind of a generic asset settlement layer. So what does that mean? It means uh, primarily a, a big portion of that comes from stablecoin transactions. There's I forget the exact number, right? But it's got to be close to about fifty billion dollars worth of stablecoins. On ethereum these days like you'd have to check it's got to be i'm pretty sure it's between 30 and 60 billion dollars of stable coins on ethereum every time you move some of those stable coins it costs a fee um but again it's actually you know these stable coins are solving real world problems right so if you're uh an otc desk um you know uh, uh if you're an otc trading desk you know offering clients exposure to like you know whatever like bitcoin or whatever like uh you know stable coins are solving a real problem for you you can move you know a billion dollars in one transaction and that transaction would might only cost you you know 5 to 10 dollars in fees right that compare that to you know bank wires right which basically might take you x number of days um you know like th- these things basically settle with, you know if stable coin transactions like settle uh you know within like a minute um so yeah i mean there's that uh and then also basically the rise of uh decentralized exchanges like uniswap uh definitely contribute to the um to the growth of the 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 ethereum network fees
0: and two other st- uh, stats that I follow, i yeah, if you could yeah. comment these that have made me really more bullish was transactions per day. We saw those peak at yeah. a million in the ICO kind of go back down and now have been really rising back up to record highs and even a more accentuated trend with gas used per day, which simply adjusts for the complexity of each transaction, it seems like. So that's when I look at the fundamentals sort of. of like Bitcoin or Ethereum, it's like how many people are using the network, how much money is moving on it um, that's kind of the in, in, intrinsic value. Yeah. So when I, and the other big thing yeah. about Ethereum was they couldn't scale much beyond, like the system was breaking at a million or 2 million transactions, yes. transactions earlier. It's sure that they've that. Yeah. Cause yeah. I know they've been working on scaling it, but I'm curious how that's has yeah. been going.
1: It's so the work that's been done is amazing. And it's about to really, um, come to fruition actually in the next, like couple months, like truly it's going to be a solved problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're kind of getting to that. The network is kind of getting to that point of congestion uh, again now. So you'll see that uh, you'll see that basically, you know, to to make a trade on Uniswap today, which is an extremely volatile, you know, today is a very volatile day in the markets. That transaction might be pretty expensive, um, and that's because so many other people are using the network, right? So just think about gas fees as like you know Uber surge pricing, where basically like You know, the more people like, you know, who want to get in, uh, the the fees go up, right? So two things. One, um, the rise of Uniswap and other exchanges like Uniswap definitely contribute to the, like, I guess, congestion of the network. So um, we can get, I guess, into that maybe a bit later, but I I don't know. Maybe I should just say it now. So basically, um, the way that Uniswap works is um, it's a pool of uh, money um where you lock in two different assets at a 50 50 ratio right so you might have uh, a stable coin and you might have ETH, right whenever a trade happens think about it like uh the pools get like a little lopsided right so basically like if you if you trade a large amount in one direction of that right like the pools get a little bit lopsided can you like does that make sense can you visualize that so whenever that happens and one of those pools gets lopsided that represents an arbitrage opportunity where somebody can step in and basically arb away that uh, that difference in the prices, right? And that become that's become a very competitive market. where and that's basically an incentive to
0: balance the network. It's a beautiful well, like like yeah, crypto assets are incentive
1: systems, which is one of my favorite yes. ways to think
0: about it. So that's a beautiful way of like yes. it fixes. Yeah, keep going. You
1: no, know, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and. Uh, but it has the downside of basically like it's become so profitable, um, to, to do that, to arbitrage, uh, uh, you know, just dis- market discrepancies, right. That on extremely volatile days, like today, for example, those bots that are, that are arbitraging the markets, um, are a little, you know, they're willing to basically pay, uh, as long as there's any profit to be made they will make the trade right so like they're willing to like pay in a, you know an enormous amount in gas um if it does net them any profit right so what it do, it does contribute to basically like the congestion of the network but again that's going to be solved within a couple of months by some of these layer 2 solutions that have uh, been worked on for the last number of years um but yeah i mean coming back to it so you were saying like scaling right how do we solve scaling so um, you know, I'd recommend people to check out Vitalik's uh, blog post, uh, one of the more recent ones about uh, this concept of roll ups. So basically, um number of different scaling solutions for Ethereum, but the most promising one as far as I'm concerned is the solution called optimism. Um, and what it is is it a layer two solution. Do you know what are you familiar with the concept of like what a layer two is? Or like okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, totally. so like if you're from, you know, the Bitcoin world, think about, like, Lightning Network, right? And, like, all of the reasons, all the benefits that you might imagine. Like, sacrifice right? a little okay, so
0: security so for cheaper, faster. That's how we really scale, yeah. kind
1: of. Yeah. So, opti- so most of these Ethereum Layer 2s, actually, um, at least the m- more uh, exciting ones, actually don't sacrifice security. Um, there's they, They do a really great job of, essentially, giving the same security guarantees that Layer 1 offers. Um, but the, okay. So here's the exciting thing about optimism. So with optimism, um, you, so if you write a smart contract, uh, for Ethereum, um, you can actually deploy that same smart contract, both on layer one and on optimism without having to make any changes to your code. Right. So basically the big breakthrough with optimism is that it supports Um, it's a you as a developer, you can think of it exactly as Ethereum, right? It does everything that regular Ethereum can do. Why is that important? So in the past, other layer two solutions were extremely limited in their functionality. So for example, like, yeah, like you use my layer two solution and it lets you transact at like, you know, a million transactions per second or like whatever. Right. But the only thing it can do is trade a token back and forth, back and forth. Like, you can't act, you know, the functionality was limited, like it might have only allowed for simple things like transferring tokens back and forth. Whereas the optimism uh, solution uh, essentially lets you do the same robust things that you can do on Ethereum layer one, but in this, you know, more, uh, you know, efficient, faster, cheaper layer two system. So why is that cool? So it's cool because uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of these DeFi projects are likely going to be um, adopting Optimism. So why is that cool? So basically um, you, you can just take your existing contracts like Uniswap and deploy it onto Optimism and immediately get the benefits of uh, you know, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's like significantly increased transaction throughput, like, you know, way more transactions per second. And also like the, the gas costs are like negligible. Right. So it's actually really exciting because basically I, I see that as a really, you know, a huge step in the scaling of, of Ethereum. Um, yeah. So also like one, one more thing to, to note here is the biggest power or one of the biggest benefit. uh, Things that Ethereum has going for it, um, I mentioned it before, is the interoperability. So the idea that basically like uh, different DeFi uh, protocols can talk to each other. They're kind of like people in the in the industry call them money Legos, right? Like you can just stack the the different pieces in any way you want, right? Um, optimism um, retains that ability, so money Legos can still exist on. Optimism, whereas all other like layer two solutions, um, have you know uh, have the unfortunate side effect of basically kind of like killing off the uh, the ability to compose things. Does that make sense? And I keep thinking in the back of my head, like to me, Rainbow
0: Equity is almost the fulcrum. That's why I love Rainbow. It's like the fulcrum security of this market, and it's why I love what you guys are doing because I'm like, okay. Ethereum's like the most wildly successful, like crazy computer science project. Like it's like a project, but it's like, oh my God, we're doing like billions of dollars on this network now. It's huge. Like they're working to improve it as it scales. And to me, it's like apps like Rainbow. It's like you're in the perfect place to just be the, to just garner all of this, you know, improvements that are happening on the network and give access to all these amazing projects. Like it's so, so cool. Like I feel like Rainbow is in such a sweet spot to kind of, Capture all this yeah. innovation that's happening on the on the blockchain, and I'm curious, like, un- in that lens, like, what's? Can you give us stats on Rainbow, like, users, or I know you've done like no marketing and have just been no ing- like, you're, and I've, I've been begging you to do this episode for months, and you're always like, we're not ready, like, the product's not ready. You're one of these OCD perfectionist yeah. product people, which I love, um yeah. and almost in that time, as this beta in the wild has gone on, you've seen really promising traction on the app, which I think is so cool. Yeah. So I'm curious if you could tell us about like the traction you're seeing and like
1: what's next for
0: rainbow
1: so yeah i mean our stats are so right now the product rainbow is uh you know publicly available for ios and we have an android beta that is like quickly growing its user base but we currently have invited i i forget the exact number like you know but like less than a thousand people to the android beta but we're going to be opening that up soon to the public um but yeah as far as stats go uh, we are, I guess, like, you know, in, in relative terms, we are very competitive with the other products in the space, like, especially given the fact that we, um, have done no marketing and we, we don't do any like subsidies. Like we're, we're not like subsidizing users in any way, like we're not giving away money or like anything like that. Right. Um, whereas a lot of our, our competitors do those things. Um, so yeah, I mean, our growth has been, uh, like, you know, really strong and really organic um so yeah i mean like what are we what are we doing so like right now basically our user base is primarily like people who are already in this scene um who already know like you know what all this stuff is um and we've been trying to build the product in a way that kind of like like appeases that audience but really like uh you know is still accessible to like regular people because we've always been expecting kind of like what's happening now right like this this mainstream you know awareness of 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 crypto again what we're what we're working on right now is what we're calling the discover screen um so basically it's like it's a, it's it's going to be the largest update uh to rainbow ever um so basically it's a whole new interface uh in the app that um Allows you to kind of explore the best opportunities um, in DeFi. So what does that mean? So what that means is basically like, um, you know, DeFi uh, offers, you know, there's a number of financial instruments that are like very worth using uh, if you're a regular person with this, you know, you know, even small amounts of money. They're like super, uh, you know, compelling uh, opportunities, right? So for example, there's like ways, you know. Uh, secure and trustworthy ways to uh to to get you know 20% yield on your dollars right now in DeFi right so like compare that to the whatever ap ap apr you're getting at your savings account at your bank right that's like it's ridiculous um so we're using the discover screen as a way to kind of like lay out um the best opportunities um and kind of like explore them a little bit and kind of like uh, it, it's really more of like uh, yeah like it's called the Discover page because we expect people to kind of like discover things there and kind of like really take them a bit further into the uh, into the rabbit hole from, um, you know, the simple buy and hold use case, right? Um, so right now the Discover page is primarily about um, Uniswap pools. So like we've talked a little, you know, I was mentioning before like how Uniswap works, it's like you lock up 50% you lock up two assets in a 50-50 ratio. Um, and the reason you do that is because uh, 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 is because when you when you lock up your money, um, you earn fees. So like every trade that happens on Uniswap, there's a very small fee. Um, and that fee is entirely distributed to the, to the liquidity providers, which can be anybody like you or me, right? Um, so basically like, uh, you know, the opportunities uh, to earn passive income by becoming a Uniswap liquidity pool, uh, contributor are huge. Like I got my little brother into it. Um, and basically, you know, like the yields, you know, are variable, right? So like the amount of fees that you'll generate are entirely dependent on the trading volume. Um, right. But basically like, you know, you can see, uh, Uh, you know, the expected yields on some of these pools are anywhere between like 7% and like 80% uh, annualized, which is huge. Um, And and I love this product
0: because you're solving that problem of like, okay, I'm holding on these DeFi assets. I don't know what to do with them. There's the yeah. UI problem. Like for me, it's like way too much of a pain to figure out how to do that. Yeah. But if it's a page in the Rainbow app and you guys already show me yes. the best ones and I click, like it makes the, yes. fric- you're just dropping the friction of the whole UI yes. of using the ETH network. So I love this. And I think yes. it's, it took me a while yes. to understand this whole DeFi thing, but like the way you lock up money and earn interest on it. But it, to me, it's kind of like Banks have the fractional reserve system. They lock up money and lend out against that capital and then they get a fee. So it's just that same kind of system, just decentralized and built on Uniswap and we are the liquidity providers.
1: Yes. Yes. So instead of these like, you know, big wall street, like market makers, basically, uh, you know, profiting from, uh, you know, being, you know, the liquidity source of of the markets, Uniswap is essentially like, you know, democratize that regular people, out there can essentially like earn the same income that uh, that those market makers on Wall Street make, right? So it's like in the Uniswap paradigm, you know, even if you're a billion, you know, some some of the liquidity providers on Uniswap are billionaires, like you know, or you know, large trading desks, but they are they have no advantage. Basically, they are in the exact same position that you are, right? So uh, that's that's really cool. Also, like one thing to note, you were saying like fractional reserve. Um, one of the more interesting things about DeFi is that the vast majority of DeFi is actually, um, not fractional reserve. It's actually, um, um, so another word for like fractional reserve would be like under collateralized where something is like, where I like right, that like, way better. You know, That's
0: what we should be calling the banks
1: under collateralized, yeah. <laughs> but everything in DeFi, almost everything in DeFi, like the vast majority of like the, the most popular platforms, they all are over collateralized. So basically like, uh uh, for example, with maker, um, if you want to mint Dai against your ETH, um, you actually have to like, you know, uh, lock up 150%. Uh, you know, you have to, you have to be over collateralized. You, you can't mint more Dai than the ETH than you're given. So that's actually like, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it's, it's a more healthier system. Like people will argue that it's capital inefficient. It, it you know, it it is, but to be totally honest, I think that, um, the accessibility of these platforms, um, makes up for the capital inefficiency in the sense that like regular people like myself, my little brother, or like you or whatever, like, like capital inefficiency doesn't matter as much as being able to do this stuff at all right? Like it's way better to have access to these things than it, it like, uh, you know, like it's essentially like liberating is how I view it, you know?
0: So cool. And so I want to wrap this up with one question about Bitcoin, just because I'm curious of your, in yeah. your coder brain, What are you still bullish on Bitcoin? Because I've been watching yeah. all the moves where it's kind of becoming institutionalized by big tech. And yeah. to me, I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. the, I see the game as being over. I see Bitcoin is already having like Mm. cemented itself as the digital gold. It's just a matter of time before this institutionalization Mm -hmm. kind of plays out and more and more capital flows into it. And that just has huge implications for Ethereum, Rainbow, like every other crypto app will follow that kind of beacon of Bitcoin. And and it's not Bitcoin versus Ethereum. They're kind of complementary of two different, you know, they are two different use cases. I'm, I'm curious if that's how you think about it or like, are you bullish on Bitcoin or?
1: Yeah, I'm bullish on Bitcoin. I think that like, Um, you know, uh, if you're a high net worth individual, um, like Bitcoin is the first, it it is the most Lindy uh crypto asset, right? Like it's essentially the like the you know, the first one that comes to people's minds. It's by far that has the strongest kind of like network effects around its brand, et cetera. I expect it to continue um on this, like, you know, run-up. I think that um really um this whole like crypto bull market um, up until very recently, right? Like up until recently, it's been, in, you know, this bull market's been entirely uh, powered by like the global ultra rich, right? Like it wasn't regular people buying in um, into Bitcoin below 20K. It was these like large institutions. It was these like global, um, you know, high net worth individuals type things. So yeah, I mean, I definitely am bullish on Bitcoin. Um, But I also am very bullish on on the future of Ethereum. Um, So like, again, uh, I think that like people really don't know what's happening in the Ethereum world right now. And I think that like it deserves a lot more of a a spotlight. Um, For example, right now you can stake Ethereum um, and take part in in kind of like the genesis of uh, Ethereum 2.0. By staking your Ethereum, um, you know, there's some... Implications of that like you know if you stake your Ethereum, you can't unstake it for for about two years. Um, but the uh, current yields on staking your ether is are extremely high like there, I think last time I checked it was like 15% APR. So what you're doing that's like huge right like imagine earning 15% on your bitcoin right that would be huge um so it's really exciting how ethereum as an asset is going to develop um. One thing I want to say about Ethereum versus Bitcoin, right? Is when you start living the DeFi life, you know what I mean? Like if you start actually like getting in the weeds, you start using these, these platforms as like as actual, you know, substitutes for financial services, right? Um, very quickly you start to treat Ethereum as money, the same way that that people, you know, treat Bitcoin as money, right? And the reason for that is because um you know on the Ethereum network, there's no more trustless asset than Ethereum. So, in a so like for example, in any system that requires like uh collateral to be deposited, Ether is the most trustless uh collateral. Like, basically, it is it is like the backbone. It is like you know, in all of these DeFi systems, like, Ether is the like hard money, the way that like. You know, Bitcoin is hard money, but like in all of the DeFi ecosystem, like Ether is kind of the hard money. So very quickly, like after being like, you know, a power user of these things, you start to treat Ether um, similarly to the way that people treat Bitcoin. Um, And I think that that's really like people are only getting hip to that now. Um, And I do think that the narrative around Ethereum is going to develop pretty quickly, uh, especially with uh, ETH2, uh, ETH2 coming out. Um, because like, I think that s- institutions w- are going to get excited about the uh, s- the opportunities to stake Ethereum, because what that essentially does, right, is it turns, um, it-, it becomes a productive asset, right? So if you're a pension fund, you might have a mandate um, to only invest in productive assets versus uh, unproductive assets, right? So it's like Bitcoin is an unproductive asset, it's like gold, whereas like, uh, you know, for example, like a productive asset is something that pays a dividend. Um, so I think that that's one like real bullish catalyst for Ethereum as an asset class, and then additionally um, that EIP one five five nine, which essentially is like a massive step in um, in improving the value capture mechanism like of, of Ethereum, right? So it's like, at, like that EIP is uh, uh, has the potential to dramatically impact the Ether- the price of Ethereum um, because basically like. Uh, it, it essentially like ties network utilization. Um, you know, the more the network is utilized, the more ether gets burnt, which should have a uh, you know an impact on the price. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, super excited about Bitcoin. Like, I think that you it, it's really hard to you know, there's only a couple of Ethereum people who are like vocal, you know, anti Bitcoiners, but the vast majority of people in the space like fully love like you know. Respect, understand, like love Bitcoin. Um, but I think that uh, Ethereum is something that people just don't understand right now. And I think that really deserves more attention.
0: Dude, this last little rant you went on was incredible. And, like, when I see it in my investor brain is, okay, the supply concern, the dilution has been a big concern, going to get alleviated with this burn thing, and as more clarity comes out about it. Thing number two, scaling with the level two solutions. Like, these are optimism. These are huge fundamental improvements to the Ethereum network that are going to cause a lot of these concerns to go away, and, therefore, the value will increase if they can successfully pull them off. And then I'm also, like, Bitcoin, it's like your pet rock. Like, you can't do anything with it, although, Bitcoin's fastening fascinating in its own way as the global spot price for energy and that kind of lens. But Ethereum is yeah, computing no, I'm, power, I'm that. you know? Like, I have literally, yeah. if, if you don't want to buy my ETH, I can burn it and get computing power out of it. And to me, I think of no more yeah. relevant asset in the future than computing power. And actually, one thing I've been kind of thinking yeah. through is the rate of Ethereum increasing is not that much. But the power, like, is it possible that the computing power of my Ethereum goes up as the network scales?
1: um yeah maybe i mean to be totally honest like or is that not the thesis or like thinking about yeah i don't know i don't know like i think that the global computer uh narrative like ethereum as a global computer was definitely like uh you know the talking point or like you know was the the way that it was framed a couple years ago um but i don't know if many people think about it like that anymore because in reality as much as you can do general purpose computing on ethereum it's really not you really shouldn't right like it would be really dumb and like really expensive to do like g- general computing on ethereum basically like the the computational like you know like bandwidth ethereum has is very limited in the sense that like you know like the, the more efficient your smart contract is, like the better it is, right? Like the less that it does, the better um, in a sense, right? So like, um, I think of, uh, so yeah. Like, I think that basically like as layer two solutions uh, start to come up, right? Like, yeah, like the power, you know, the ability for your Ethereum to do more things increases for sure. Um, one thing I did want to touch on though, about like, uh, again, like Bitcoin versus Ethereum here, um is so one thing that's like very underdiscussed in the bitcoin world is how where the 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 points of centralization are so right like bitcoin is by far the most uh, decentralized asset um it's by far the most like uncensorable asset right like there's no debates about that um but one of the implications of the like bitcoin is primarily used on centralized platforms right so it's like what can you do with your Bitcoin? Well, you can take your Bitcoin and like put it on a hardware wallet and like have it at your house. But if you want to do anything else with it, you almost always need to be using a centralized platform. So like Coinbase or Binance, or like, for example, like you can use a system like BlockFi, which lets you like, you know, lend the Bitcoin and like earn interest on it. Right. But all of those systems are centralized. So basically like, you know, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Right. we basically like, you're you're foregoing, you know, the the security guarantees of Bitcoin by giving your Bitcoin to somebody else. Um, and the most exciting thing about Ethereum, to me, is basically like the breakdown of that, right? Like it 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 totally obsoletes these centralized platforms where basically like Uniswap, it you know again, is a completely decentralized system. There's no way anybody can turn off Uniswap when you put your money into Uniswap. You still are the only person who can actually withdraw it, right? Like, there's no admin rights on Uniswap, right? So, the exciting thing to me about Ethereum is basically like uh, completely um, decentralizing the the financial system in a sense, right? Like, where there's basically no centralized central points of failure. Um, all of these financial instruments can exist um, in a way where basically you are still completely in control you the user are completely in control you know your money is your money it's you know you're not really like you know uh there's like no trust involved right like you don't have to trust that coinbase you know is going to be you know good or like whatever right and to me that's like the most uh the most bull one of the most bullish things about ethereum right like the idea like you know uh yeah, like if you're a high net worth individual, like you can use, you can, you can do complex things with your money, create, you know, complex strategies for your money while retaining all of the security and trust guarantees that like having Bitcoin on your hardware wallet would have. To me, that's really exciting. That's an epic place to
0: uh, wrap it up. That's so awesome, Mike. Um, where can people find out about Rainbow Wallet? And and I'll put your Twitter below for yeah. sure. You're awesome on Twitter. Yeah. Um, Rainbow's Twitter. And what's Rainbow's website? I know they can do the App Store Rainbow Wallet or
1: Yeah. Yeah. So our website is rainbow.me. Um uh you can go there and there's links to both our Twitter account and our app store links. Um, yeah. And Are if you guys know, like, search too? for us on the App Store. I'm curious if you if you I want mean, to. I mean, yeah, we're always outs. looking for, for great talent. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, we're 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 always looking for great talent. Hit me up on Twitter. Um, you know, uh, we're looking for uh like you know, we have a world class team. Um, you know, we have uh engineers, we have ex, you know, MetaMask engineer, uh, we have an ex-Facebook engineer, we have an ex-stripe designer. Um, so we're we're really like, you know, we're trying to build a, a world class team. Um, If you are world-class, hit me up. Uh, But yeah, I mean, primarily we're looking for um, uh, JavaScript engineers, solidity engineers, designers. um, And if you're like a really sick uh, biz dev, like biz dev person, um, hit me up. Awesome. And dude, I got to
0: give you a shout out for putting me on a, those socks because that is going to be like the best investment of my whole life, percentage-wise. I'll never, that was just so, yeah, dude, and just I the think way they, it's blown up, like just how you thought, like I've it's it's been so fun and cool to watch. And uh, I'm so yeah, it's excited.
1: it's honestly crazy. I feel like you guys Yo, made I, it uh, through that like
0: r- rough chasm of Ethereum. And now like the fun is really yeah. heating up again. And I just can't wait to see what's next for Rainbow and, uh, and the team. Thank you so much for the time, bro. Yo, really my, appreciate
1: per- it. Hell yeah, dude. Yo, my current scheme right now is getting a box of those unisox in the hands of Kanye West. And I'm pretty sure it's gonna happen. Bro. So Kanye, I don't know. Yo, yeah. I'm convinced that Kanye West, when he is when he sees the Unisocks and understands the Unisocks, that they're gonna blow his mind. Like with like just just like I feel like it's gonna be a creative explosion. Like I think he will totally get it, right? Like. You know, like, they're the most, exp- you know, I don't know if you knew this, but Unisocks are the most expensive socks in the world by, like, a factor of four. So, I think, you know, Kanye Kanye will get it. So, I don't know. Yeah, like, like hopefully uh, we get some, you know, tokenized e- Easy's
0: pretty soon. Dude, I love that moonshot. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Have a dope day. We will talk
1: again soon, bro. Peace. Hey, hyperchange. Thank you. Love you. Gally, I love you. Love you too, bro. Rainbow.